Welcome to today's episode of Talking Materials Handling, the 2023 Employee Satisfaction Study, or what I call, Don't Worry, Be Happy. I'm Bob Tribblecock, and joining me today is Simon Ricosi. Simon is one of the co-founders of Butterfly AI, a platform that helps HR departments and supply chain managers measure employee engagement in their organizations, especially at the line level. Simon, welcome, and tell us just a little bit about Butterfly AI before we get going on the survey. Hi, Bob. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, and yeah, of course. So, in short, we built Butterfly to provide a data-driven approach for managers uh, to get feedback, initiate conversation with their teams, and strengthen their leadership skills. Uh, in a more simple term, we are an employee feedback platform for the frontline workforce. Uh, we can say that we are giving a voice to a part of the workforce that is often described as voiceless. And while we do that, we want to make sure that every level of the company know what is happening so that they can improve turnover, absenteeism, productivity, and so on and so forth. Great. Well, thank you for that. So to the, uh, to, to the listeners, I'm going to give you a little apology and a little fair warning because I usually try to get my guests involved right away, but there's going to be a little bit of a setup here so you understand the survey before I bring Simon back. So just bear with me. He's a lot more interesting than I am, but I'm going to try and give you a, a high level of what we talked about. So first, this is one of a series of podcasts that I'm recording to highlight content from the 2023 NextGen Supply Chain Conference. For this episode, we're going to take a look at research that Simon and I did, along with Peerless Research Group, to understand how supply chain managers and leaders are feeling about their jobs today. Now, after all, we've come through an extraordinary time in the supply chain from an HR perspective, and not just the operational side of the business or the line side of the business that we're all familiar with. For at least the past three years, probably more, uh, in part due to the pandemic, organizations have been addressing the culture of the workplace at all levels, including supply chain, in an effort to not just win in the war for talent, but also to retain that talent. Remember, you don't want to just take the hill. You want to hang on to it afterwards. So that's put the focus on workplace satisfaction. And that was the point of this research. Now, for this survey, we focused on the readers of Supply Chain Management Review, Logistics Management, and Modern Materials Handling. Simon just told us that you know his, a lot of his focus is the line level. My readers are in management roles, but Simon can bring his eye, his lens, uh, from what he sees, you know, in his business to this survey. Now, I can't cover everything in the survey, so I'll give you a high-level overview. Then I'm going to bring Simon in to give us his takeaways. But you can also find the complete survey on MMH.com and on the NextGen Supply Chain LinkedIn page. So let's get started. First and foremost, when I read the results, I thought of this as the Don't Worry, Be Happy survey. There's a lot of positives in the results. So here's just a few examples. 92% of respondents agreed or strongly agreed that they understand how their role impacts the business goals of the organization. 89% agreed or strongly agreed that they have a good relationship with their coworkers. And 87% agreed or strongly agreed that they have a good relationship with their supervisor. When's the last time you heard that almost 90% said they liked the boss? 84% of respondents agreed or strongly agreed that they are so involved in their work that the day goes by quickly. 80% agreed or strongly agreed that their colleagues help each other as needed. 
71% agreed or strongly agreed that they have opportunities to apply their skills and more than 60% were satisfied with their benefits and 59% were satisfied with their overall compensation. So in short, we're a pretty happy bunch or so it seems on the surface. And that's why I wanna bring uh, Simon in because he did identify some areas of concern despite all the happy talk. So Simon, first question. Tell me a little bit about what the landscape is like now as you're seeing it. As an example, I'll just give you a couple anecdotal examples. I talked to a large third-party logistics provider that said right now hiring at the line level, the level you work, has really gotten back to whatever they considered normal. Similarly, I talked with a large um, uh, parcel shipper the other day who said that they had no trouble staffing up know, for the holiday rush. And I've talked to VP level people who, you know, in 2023 thought, well, maybe now's the time to change jobs and are telling me that the, um, you know, the turnover is, is not what it was in management. And so going from job one to job B, you know, isn't as easy it was in 2020, 2021, because people are staying in their, their uh, positions. Long-winded way to ask this, but again, what are you seeing out? Well, thank you, Bob. Um, so I think we have to look at two different categories of employees. So let's start first with uh, the front line. So at the start of the pandemic, um, what happened to a lot of these workers, they had a, a myriad of other jobs opening to them and not only supply chain jobs or logistic jobs, but a lot of others such as customer services, for example. A lot of companies because of the pandemic decided to go fully remote. So all of a sudden you could decide to stay home work in front of a computer for a very similar salary. So you had some people that not only moved jobs in terms of leaving the employer, but they moved the category of jobs as well to do something that is less physical. So that is actually one of the first components on why you see a slowdown because now a lot of companies are reverting back to back to the office or they want to organize the way their workers are now to be fully remote or fully distributed. What's interesting about your senior leadership or even your frontline leadership, it used to be a, a bit of a, I would say an eating frenzy at the start of the pandemic where everybody was quite disorganized. So everybody was hiring and there were a lot of options on the job market. People were throwing money at the problem because of course there were short staff, uh, for, short staff, sorry. And that meant that they needed people to fill in position really quickly. Now, if you look at the, global economy, or if you focus about the US economy, we have a bit of a slowdown. So people first might be a little bit more fearful to leave. There might be less options as well open to them, but that doesn't mean that people are not interested about leaving. They're just going to keep it a bit more in the down low. Um, and for employer, that is actually something very positive because it means that they can retain the employer a little bit longer because competition is a bit less uh, fearless, if I may say. Now, <clears throat> Any questions on that or what do you think? No, that's, that's great. Um, anything more to add to that when you're thinking about the job landscape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now if we look at the different type of employees, let's call them the corporate employee and your first line employee. So if you look at the corporate landscape, um, understanding why employees decide to leave has become crucial. Um, if we look at a, written, a recent study that came out, 77% of employee turnover is attributed to poor management. So this highlights a really urgent need for companies to invest in effective management training and support. Now, if we look in terms of 
what are the needs for the front-end employees, that's actually different. The front-end employees are really more focused around the emotional needs. And here we think about feeling fairly treated, feeling respected, feeling valued and appreciated, doing a meaningful work and enjoy the work that you do because you're going to do something very repetitive in the same environment. But the most important part here is to have a very strong and a good relationship with your manager. Like for a lot of these front-end employees, the manager is the image, is a representation of leadership. So for them to get along with the manager is very important. I'm sure you've heard it in the past. People don't leave a company, they leave a manager. Well, if you will work for an awful company, but you love the manager you work with or you work for, you're going to stay way longer. So I would say in both categories, the role of the manager is extremely important. However, for the frontline worker, it's all about the feeling of appreciation, respect, and know how they fit in the big picture. Whereas for the corporate employee, it's more about the, the potential growth that they have within the company, feeling that they have the trust of the manager, making sure that the work environment they work in is not too toxic, but as well to have an idea of where the career can bring them within the same uh, employer. And another one, not to, uh, I'll say, to over, over, not to have an oversight over, compensation is way more important for the corporate employee than for the frontline employee. It's still top of mind for the frontline employee, but there's very little correlation between the compensation employees are receiving and then leaving a job. Whereas for the corporate world, people are much more likely to jump ship for a better paid job. Simon, before I talk to you uh, about the survey, I just want to ask one follow-up question on um, something that you were talking about in terms of the relationship with the manager. And this is something that I've started thinking about, you know, during COVID, even in supply chain, you had a lot of jobs that could now be done remotely. You know, if you were frontline, if you're working on the line at the factory, you got to show up, right? You can't make a widget in your in your kitchen. But if you're the, the the manager, there were now tools that allowed you to work from home, particularly if your role or responsibility was like, you know, seven distribution centers, right? You couldn't be at all seven every day anyway. Do you think that remote work had an impact on the relationship between managers at whatever level and uh, the people that report to them? And are we struggling with that, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, great question. So I would add here a caveat. I, I think it's all based on the personalities of the manager. Because you had some managers that were on site before COVID, but they stayed all day long in their offices, never working the floor. So it's more a question about attitude and the type of manager you are. Like you might be remote, you might not be on site, but you might be very connected to what is happening. And not only on the number side, right? So what we see with our clients, for example, there's a very strong correlation between productivity and how present or how involved the management are. Because you might have a manager, let's say that organized shift, never seeing the machine, never seeing the floor, assigning people based on names, rather than just going an extra step and try to understand what these people are doing well. And you might decide to put a picker to a different, uh, I would say, machine or a different workstation just because you see that somebody is available, but do they have the skill to do that? Whereas if you walk the floor, if you are present, you are much more in touch with the needs of the employees, but the needs of the business as well. So the way you're going to assign people based on shift, based on the needs that you currently have, would be way smarter if you know the people, you know what's 
their strengths, I would say, and some of their weaknesses to some extent. So by doing all of that in person would be way more efficient than doing that remote. Great. So let's turn to the survey. Um, you know, I just gave uh, some some bullets where, you know, in the worst case, 59%, still a majority, um, you know, were uh, agreed or strongly agreed in the, uh, in the positive. And there were a lot more. I could have just gone on and on. But there were some, you know, some flags. So what was your overall take on the survey results? And then we're going to get into some specific areas. Yeah. So I think from, from what you called out, um, it was a very positive survey. Like, don't worry, be happy, I think is a good word for it. What I would say is when we looked at the overall survey, what was reassuring is that there was not too much of a disconnect between what we've seen with our client and, our, and their front, frontline employees and what you saw in the survey. Usually we get worried when there is a huge disconnect between how leadership feels about things and what we see on the actual market. And I think for this survey, there was a lot of connections, lots of correlations, the other thing I would add is, yes, the scores are higher than for the frontline workforce, but while these, the area of development or the challenging areas are very similar to what we see on the frontline. So that was a very positive and encouraging data to see because it means that people are in tune. Whereas I can tell you during COVID or the height of COVID, I should say the height of the pandemic, you had a huge disconnect between the feeling of the management and actually how people were doing on the front line. And therefore, that influenced how people were assigning budgets. That, is, that <clears throat> resulted on the strategic vision of the companies. Whereas now that things are a bit more aligned, you're going to see a lot of efficiency happening, I believe. Um, I want to focus now um, on three areas that you highlighted to say, okay, there's some red flags and there are steps that a supply chain leader can take. And then we're going to wrap it up with just, um, you know, some overall um, suggestions to improve the workplace environment. So the first area I want to highlight is relationship management. You know, why was this one a red flag or, or what was it that you saw? And then, uh, you know, what do you think supply chain leaders can take in terms of this area? Yeah. So what I want to say here is like in this evolving world of work, the key area is all about relationships. And what's great to see is actually the data from the survey really underscore the significance of it. So to bolster peer interactions, uh, I think companies should consider team building activities, workshops, but for improving super, supervisor employee reports, what we strongly suggest to have is regular one-on-one -on -one check-ins can make a huge difference. And we can empower our teams further by offering training sessions on decision-making, ensuring they, keep, they feel trusted and valued. Again, we go back to the two big buckets there. And the atmosphere of mutual respect is fundamental. So workshop on etiquette can facilitate this, not only for the frontline workforce, but as well for the managers. And furthermore, what I would add here is transparency. So think about town hall meetings can really help improve communication from management for corporate employees. But shift hurdles will do the same for the front-end workers, right? People want to know where they fit in the big picture. Knowing what is happening is always great. Uh, lastly, let's not forget the power of recognizing the hard work. Strong performance deserves to be celebrated, not only at the company level, but the team and sometimes the individual level. And therefore, by embracing these strategies, we can really bridge the gap and fortify the relationship within the overall organizations. 
Um, the next area is what you call work engagement. So I'd like you to talk about a couple of things in this. First, from your perspective, what is work engagement as it relates to the manager? You know, why is it important? And then what steps can leaders take to uh, you know, improve it or encourage it? Yeah, of course. So I think when we think about engagement, the best way I can describe it is um, if you're at dinner and you're on your phone during dinner, are you truly at dinner? Yes, you are there, but your mind is not really there. And work engagement is very similar. You want people to be present. You want people to be involved. So what's very important, it's to actively identifying future opportunities and fostering a culture of innovation is critical because people want to see that you're an advanced and um, forward-looking company, especially as you train employees to navigate in <clears throat> this evolving landscape. Like if you talk about robotization, AI, take the people along in the journey because you want them to feel engaged when all of the changes happen. What is equally essential is really the ability to embrace and, swift, and, sorry, and swiftly adapt to change. And for this, you can think about tool like Butterfly, where you can collect feedback in real time, but it can be as simple as well about offering real-time insight and conversation to people on the floor, right? And your managers, offer them visibility of what is happening. So when you acknowledge the adaptability and the proactive attitude, they are really at the heart of employee engagement as a whole, and therefore that's gonna positively impact the work engagement. Now, if we think about the direct correlation between the hate and engagement and an organization's success, the advantages range from cost saving all the way to enhanced efficiencies. Because when the employees are engaged, when the workplaces are all engaged, people are going to look at the job that they do and they're going to highlight to you what can be done better. And this is really about integrating the strategies so that you can really pave a way to be dynamically engaged with the workforce, because that is going to propel your company to a very different heights. So the third area of focus that you highlighted was career development. And I found this one really interesting, um, if for no other reason than, you know, when I was editor of Supply Chain Management Review, we really focused on things like certification and, you know, executive training and so on. And I've done a lot of work with the Association for Supply Chain Management, you know, who's all about career development. So there were a couple of bullets I highlighted. One was that 53% agreed or strongly agreed that they are satisfied with the job-related training their organization offers. And 47% agreed or strongly agreed that they're pleased with career advancement opportunities. Now, in most surveys, you know, having more than 50% agree or strongly agree that they're satisfied would sound pretty good. But if we remember those earlier bullets I highlighted, they were kind of off the charts good, right? I mean, they were where 90% of the people were happy with their manager. So these were less enthusiastic responses than the other responses. Tell me your take on that. And then what should leaders do to address this idea of career development? Yeah, um, I think what we highlighted in the study um, it's really actually the significant percentage of employees that feel positively about the professional development. So as you said, about 50% is always positive. Um, when we think about career, uh, training and career opportunities, this is very important because it paved the way for them on projecting themselves in the future. So if we go back to the study, there was a majority of respondents acknowledged the chance to apply their expertise, the job-related training provided, and other growth opportunities. Now, if you think about the satisfaction, 
it is deeply linked to employee engagement. When an employee believes they have avenues for professional growth, when they feel supported in their career aspiration by the organization, the commitment and the motivation tend to increase. So what we have to be careful about is that in the study, there was a presence of a substantial neutral responses across the categories, right? This really signals a potential area for enhancement. So this implies that the business could achieve even higher levels of employee engagement by addressing these gaps and uncertainties. How can you do that? Well, be very transparent about the career path of an employee. Being on the front line, being at the corporate level, show them where they can go so they don't feel that there is a glass ceiling above them. The other thing that is very positive is if you promote or if there is a senior position opening, try to promote from within. Yes, it's more tedious as a process. It's going to take longer than hiring a superstar from a different company. But this signals to everyone that there is a chance for, the, for them to evolve and to stay in the company for a very long time. And here, if I go back to the frontline workforce, uh, often it's very easy to, um, I would say, to hire supervisors and ops manager from a third party. Well, if we think about the same idea, you want to show employees that they have a future at the company. So show them that their friend Simon got the promotion, their friend Bob got the promotion, so they can have it as well. So that is very important. Think about transparency, think about communication, but don't forget about career pathing and take people along the way for the journey so that they can project themselves in the future. Uh, Simon, just one more uh, question related to this. And um, it's something that, that came to a head in a uh, discussion I moderated at uh, one of the big associations that does certifications. Mm -hmm. So I, I had on the panel senior level executives, right? And yeah. we, had, we had in the audience a number of, of young people, meaning late 20s to late 30s, you know, who had gotten certifications and might be working on certifications. And the feedback from the young people was, look, I've done everything that you've told me to do. You know, you suggested I get a certain kind of certification and I got that certification. And you suggested I do some executive training and I did the executive training. And then when I go to talk about, you know, career advancement or job advancement, it's crickets. How important is it that if a company is going to suggest, you know, certifications and executive education and whatever, that it is really tied to some kind of a career path so that somebody doesn't think they're just, you know, they're doing this and they're spending their time and money to do it. Um, and then it doesn't really lead anywhere in the organization they're at, because that's going to make them want to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you're very right on that. But the one thing I would say is the workplace is a place for adults. And people understand that things change. It's sort of a matter of how you communicate it. So I would say if you um, engage with your team and your employees to say, hey, for you to get all these certifications, all these trainings will help you to get to the next stages, then you have to be transparent as well about what is the likelihood of them to make it there. So give them an understanding of within the pool of employees, how many people are actually going for that position so that they can understand how they fit and what is their percentage chance to get there. Now, if, of course, you start this whole process of, trans of transparency, you owe it to them as well to give them explanation why they don't get the promotion. Not only about, oh, it's going to be next time. Like coach them, help them. Okay, you got the certification, but 
when we look at the numbers for your unit, or if, if we look at the track record over the past two years, other candidates were better, but this is how you can get in line for the next promotion cycle. So it's all about communication and transparency. Uh, so the last area is workplace environment, or in, in my mind, that's also the, you know, the culture of the joint. There's the old, I think it's by Deming's statement that, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, meaning you can have the greatest, you know, business strategy in the world, but if you've got a toxic culture or a toxic workplace environment, it isn't going to go anywhere. So um, talk about what steps a leader can take to improve workplace environment. Yeah, so I think if you think about uh, work environment and we have to define what is a positive work environment, usually this is characterized by strong team dynamics. That's what, something that was highlighted in the survey as well. Uh, strong communication. And as well, there was the idea about the warmth of the familial atmosphere of the workplace. So it's all about building the long-term relationship. Additionally, if we think about competitive benefits, a clear sense of the mission, the social impact of the company, these are all items that can make it to the list to be a better workplace. Another thing that came and transpired across the study was, like I mentioned earlier, communication, um, feedback. But as well, when we think about feedback, it's all about this continuous cycle. Be constructive, because this is really a cornerstone to bridge gaps and drive growth for not only the employees, but for the company itself. Because when employees voice the need for greater empowerment and recognition, they really urge organizations to celebrate problem solvers. Like you want people to be set forward because this is showing that not only the work environment is a workplace, but as well a place where people are celebrated and people are encouraged to go outside of the comfort zone for the benefit of the company. Now, the cost for competitive compensation is as well conducive of, of a good work environment, a comprehensive training plan, especially all about inclusion, diversity. That was something that really popped up in the survey as well. Um, and the last thing I would say is flexibility. Like the modern workforce needs flexibility, need to have some work-life balance. Um, and that is something that the pandemic really trolled, I would say a bit of a, of a wrench in there because people working from home, the shift, being a little bit all over the place. Like we don't like to call work-life balance balance anymore. It's all about work-life harmony. How do you combine your personal life with your professional life um, into the same life? So these are all things that have to be clear for the employer um, because the organization that prioritizes feedback and act on the inside they get directly from the employees will be the ones that create the more engaged and fulfilled workforce, but as well the best workplace that can be. Thank you, Simon. That's all the time we have today. Again, a special thanks to my guest, Simon Dracosi from Butterfly AI. And thank you for joining. I hope you'll be back for our next episode. And please take a look at the full survey results. It'll give you a little context to this episode. Finally, be sure to go to nextgensupplychainconference.com and enter your email address for updates about NextGen 2024. It'll be happening in Chicago next October. We're planning another great event. For Talking Materials Handling and the Next Gen Conference, I'm Bob Trollocott. And Simon, again, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me.